All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for our 18th installment of A Better Way to Pray. Now, the subtitle for Lesson 18 is Ask and Receive. Ask and Receive. So we'll start tonight. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. 9 and 10. And we'll look at this in the New Living Translation. Luke 11, 9 and 10. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So the title of our lesson tonight is Ask and Receive. Now, we look at that title and we read these scriptures. It sounds pretty simple, right? Now, when you see the phrase asking and keep on asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. Now, are there any questions that's, that come up for us? Now, I know some of us that have had a word of faith kind of background, we can look at these scriptures and, you know, it can create a question. But when you read this, what are you hearing Jesus telling us? Ask God for what you need and never stop asking. It doesn't, I'm not talking about the same thing, but your whole life long. Keep being an asker. Keep being a seeker. That's our lifestyle. I don't think thing. it's saying ask 5,000 times for the same thing because God heard you and said yes the first time you asked. <clears throat> now there may be another issue in getting the manifestation, but it's not because he didn't hear and he didn't answer. <clears throat> If you ask the second time, are you still in faith? If you received the first time, is, are you in faith the second time or the third time or the fourth time? You know what I'm saying? In other words, if you ask and, and you receive it, that's the hard part. The asking is easy. The receiving is hard. That's where you have to believe that it's yours. You've already got it. Maybe it hasn't manifested yet, but it's yours. It's, and, and I think that asking then kind of hurts that process. Once you receive, they keep asking. I think it hurts the, the, the whole process. Okay. All right. So we're getting two different perspectives here on this, on this set of scripture. Now, the way Terry described it, you're looking at it from a, a broader mm -hmm. perspective, mm -hmm. right? Because when he says, ask and keep asking. Now, looking at it, Throughout the span of your life as a believer, throughout your your day to day life, ask and keep asking. Really, that's an invitation for 
dialogue and fellowship mm-hmm. and communion, right? Mm-hmm. And dependency. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't say ask for this thing and that thing, but not for this. You can ask for these things, but not these things. He says, ask, keep asking. Seek, keep seeking. So I think looking at it from a broader perspective, it, it helps us to, to, to really get what is being communicated here. Because just like in Thessalonians, what does Paul say to the church at Thessalonica? Pray without ceasing. So obviously, he's not talking about pray without ceasing to the point where that's all you do. That's your existence is just to pray. You don't eat. You don't fellowship with your family. You don't go to work. You, you just pray. Obviously, that's not practical. Yeah, you're and not that, that. And that, that's, not, that's not what he's communicating. It's like the scripture Paul said, <laughs> keep on being filled with the Spirit. If you go back to the original, that's what the, there's lots of ing verbs that the King James doesn't translate it that way, but it's keep being filled with the Spirit. That's not a one-time thing, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, so it's like this. Don't ever stop seeking. Don't ever stop asking. Because when I'm in a position where I, I am leaning on the Lord for certain things, whether it be wisdom, whether it be with this decision or that decision, I'm putting my, myself in a posture of humility because I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm depending on him for this thing and that thing, just for my day-to-day living, right? Yeah. All right. Now, let's speak to what Gene said. If I ask for something specific, and I believe I received the first time, if I come back and ask you for the same thing the second time, am I really believing? Because I used to do that. I used to ask, and if it didn't show, I'd ask again and again and again. And finally, I started saying, I think my faith was the strongest the first time. And I should have just been believing for the manifestation of that thing. Thank you. And then asking for something else that was necessary, which would kick in her deal. Like you keep on, you keep on all your life, you're asking. You're always, you're always in contact with the Lord for your needs. Yeah. I always think we're him being a father, you know, being God as the father. It's like, he's just telling us, it's like, hey, whatever you're going through, like, whatever you're doing, keep asking me. I'm always here to help you. The next thing to the next thing, each, you know, change in season, whatever you think come on, you know, come, come by in life, you know, whatever situation. It's like, I'm your father. I'm willing to help you. Just ask me, you know, seek and you should find knock. Hey, don't hold back. Ask me. I'm here, you know. <laughs> and it's so neat because, you know, to me, it's really cool. That's what Jesus was trying to tell these people anyway. He was trying to break the religion off of them, you know, a lot of times. And think he was trying to, well, not think. He was trying to introduce the Father's heart to them a lot of times anyway. So it's like, ask. Don't be afraid, you know. Come on, y'all, you know. And those three words to me are kind of successfully deeper. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Asking's the basic thing. See, see, keep, keep, keep knocking. It's, it's going deeper into relationship. But it's as easy as receiving like a child. Because that's the best way. That's the hard part. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that receiving is a hard part. From God's yeah. point of view, there. Remember the day we were going to Bush Gardens? We had the tickets on the refrigerator, <coughs> and our oldest son kept saying, because of experiences in his life, he had been lied to, and so he didn't trust people. Mm-hmm. So we said, we're going to Bush Gardens. We're not going to go. We're not going to go. We're we going to Bush Gardens. Yeah, we're going to Bush Gardens. See the tickets on the refrigerator? We're not going to go. Then we were in the car on the way. We're we going to Bush Gardens. Yeah, we're going to Bush Gardens. Here's the tickets. We're on our way. The whole way there. We pulled up there, and he's still. Yeah, but no, no parent. When you when you ask, is going to make you keep asking, right? I mean, it just isn't God's character that you have to keep. You have to beg Him for something. If when you asked, it was according to His will. And, <clears throat> And you believe in your heart, right? Yeah. You remember when we were going on vacation one time and he was doing the same thing? Yeah. And he said, do we have enough money for this vacation? You sure you have enough? We're not really going on this vacation. We're already there. Like, we, we drove 10 hours. Me, that makes you want to lose your <laughs> patience when you keep, and I can imagine, God, here you have this word and all you've promised us and it's already been done. And some of us just keep asking you over and over. And I'm in the car yelling at him. I got five grand in my pocket, and I got a credit card. I can put 20 on if I have to. I said, is that enough for you to believe we'll have enough money for this? And he, he, he had a hard time. But you see, y'all were kind of running low on patience a little bit. Just think, no, in the long run. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. father, never. Yeah, no. He never, even if we ask 15,000 times, he goes, okay, I need to get through to them. They don't have to ask anymore, and they don't have to be afraid because it's already here. Because evidently he was so afraid. Well, he wasn't asking us. He was telling us that we didn't have the money. I, and I the know. Well, what we want, we want our kids fear. to believe us and yeah. say, wow, great. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the thing about the father trying to get us to trust him over yeah. something. Well, he yeah. had somebody in his life that would always promise to pick him up and take him places that would never do it yeah. if, when he was little. And, yeah. and, that, and that caused that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's where God is much more, even more. Yeah. He's so much more merciful to us. He don't want us to keep asking because it's breaking his heart. Like they're not getting it. They're not getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still gonna keep trying until they go. You can trust right. me. Right. You know, she didn't trust nothing. She didn't trust God at all. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was thinking about the belief too. You know, we we're just talking about believing. You know, um, you know, He makes the promise. We believe. Um, Mom and I were both listening today while we were working. We were listening to uh, Mike Hesh with Healing Journeys, and then we were listening to Nicole Marbach. And it's funny because they both had one was yesterday, one was today, when they recorded them. They both had kind of a similar um, lesson kind of thing going on, and they both talked about belief. And Nicole Marbach was talking about, you know, you hear a lot of, you got to believe, you got to believe, you got to believe. But she was saying that, you know, belief is a byproduct of God showing his goodness to us. You know, like you're not going to trust somebody that you don't think you can trust. And it was really interesting we're saying this because she was talking yeah, about that. And I go, wow. I go, you know, I, I even, like, as a note, mom and I'm talking about me and her. Mom and I were involved in the ministry one time trying to find help years ago. And I had made to break away because the, the, the assistant to the leadership, she kept telling us, like, she prayed for us. You've got to have faith. I mean, it was really judgmental. Like, it got to where it was, like, really repetitive. You've got to have faith. Mm. If you don't have the faith, then I'm like, I want to have the faith though. Help me. I want to have the faith. And then, like, years later, you realize faith, you know, first God gives us his grace. He shows us, you know, who he is and he, you know, bestows that on us. And then we, in response, believe. And I go, 
Faith it takes the, the weight off of you when you realize you just just believe. It's not believe, believe, believe. It's if you, if you read story. Andrew's books, you have to laugh. Every mistake you can make, he made. I mean, and he had one guy chasing him. The guy was in a wheelchair swinging a crutch at him, yeah. screaming at him. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. right. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew has he has skin a foot thick. He'll go in places and tell people things they do not want to hear. Yeah. Yes. But it just takes the pressure off you when you realize it's just like, just let God show you his goodness. And, and that's yeah. another blessing of that ING because the Lord knew that we would ask and some of us would ask amiss and there would be different things because sometimes our prayers are hmm, a lot of times dependent mm -hmm. on other people following God's will. Mm -hmm. And so we, we blame God that they didn't get answered, but it's just mm -hmm. the way things are. He has to work through people. And so he was just encouraging us. Keep on, keep on. Don't get discouraged. Keep on asking, keep on seeking. I think that's the part people cannot talk because when, when, it, it, when you're praying with somebody and they have to respond too, <coughs> you know, I have to admit, you know, I was taught, okay, you pray with somebody you can override their will, and so mm -hmm. yeah, and you have, you get understanding that because a lot of times if God won't will, override their will, how right? can you do it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. saying, a lot of times we that's the way it's taught. It's right. Like, yeah, you pray for them, and then when we talking about okay, well, keep on praying, keep on praying, and which is true, that's not incorrect. But if you thinking that your prayer is going like to right, right exactly oh, override their will, oh, then oh, you're like, oh. then if it don't happen. Then you, like you said, we question, okay, well, why didn't that happen? I prayed for him. You know, I prayed for but You know what happens when you do that? God goes out of his way to send laborers, to, to have him, you know, meet people or whatever. And he keeps rejecting and rejecting. Right. It's not on God's side, the rejection. It's on that guy you're praying for's exactly. side. Yeah. It's funny how we look at this, verses 9 and 10, and how it is sandwiched between the two teachings in, in on the bottom and the top, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at, you know, let's, let's read five through eight. And it says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight and wanted to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But Did I you call that friend? <laughs> I think I'd give me some new friends. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you this, though he won't do it for, his, for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Now, see, if you leave this alone, this is where you get the teaching of continuing to ask. Because God's it, like that, friend. Because yes. basically what that's saying is be annoying, be mm -hmm. obnoxious. Yeah. Right. You know, you got, you got to wear him down. Yeah, he don't really want to do it. Right. You got to get him to the place where he goes, oh, all right. He keeps bugging me so much. I'll have to do this. But see, and now if we capture the whole of this, of all of these verses, then we can see the whole picture. Now, the need for persistence 
and tenacity in prayer is very necessary. But why is it necessary? It's not necessary because of God's unwillingness. It's because there's opposition. We have our own flesh. We have the flesh of other people to deal with. We have the climate of the environment to deal with. And we got the devil himself. We got all of these opposing yeah. forces to the will of God coming to pass. Yeah. That's what we need. The persistence because of the resistance. Persistence is necessary because of the resistance, not because of God's unwillingness. And we can see that in verses 11 and 13, some of our favorite scriptures mm -hmm. said, you fathers, if you, your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right. So if he would give his very own spirit to you, if you ask, what is yeah. a loaf of bread? What is a favor, a promotion on your job or whatever, you know, tangible thing you they need? Right. Yeah. But again, we have to get this part, the, the, the character part in order to get the context of what's being communicated. Because if you get you take bits and pieces of scripture, and then you know you try to you try to launch from that and, and make doctrines out of little bits and pieces. This is where you get the error. It's so sad because all all Jesus was doing here was trying to show the Father's heart and how willing He is to help. If we just ask Him, and like other scriptures through the years, we took like like you know we're saying like bits and pieces and we made doctrines and. Doctrines that are totally not, you know. Yeah, truth. like the first time we couldn't pay our tax bill, we went fishing, and the first fish we caught, we looked for that coin in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I ain't judging. I've been there. I'm kidding, but I mean, I think that's people making the doctrine out of a word of knowledge, right? I've thought about that several times. I was reeling a big fish in. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to bring that fish in and have a gold coin fall out of his mouth? Mm -hmm. It's not impossible. But the, no. You gotta make sure you're hearing that was, God. That was a word for someone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't limit God. Yeah. Don't put him in a box. We got those stickers all over our refrigerator at home mm -hmm. that Andrew sent out. Has don't limit God or limit God with a slash through it. Yes, those are cool. Yeah. Not just looking at our outline couple points says God's word will work for everyone, but we come up with excuses for why it won't work for all people all the time. Point B. But experience carries more weight in most people's lives than the word of God does. And see, and that and that's yeah. what we're fighting up against mm -hmm. right, right there is the negative experience. And just like what you described, you know, that, that doubt that was created by what? It's not necessarily about you. It's about the negative experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I've prayed for so many people that have died, and that's hard to get over and still believe God for all these other things that you need, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Right. Right. And those circumstances will speak back to you. Now, if you don't know how to 
rightly appropriate that understanding that there are other variables variables involved that we don't know about, then it'll get you to question things and doubt God's willingness or his ability to manifest itself. That's where the, the relationship comes with talking to him again. That's why I'm so big on right now. It's we may not know what God knows. He knows what's happening and he will tell you he'll let you know. Where you where you heading? It's good. You can't see anything. It don't. It looks totally, completely impossible. But to him, he goes, "I'm working something that you can't see, mm-hmm. and it may not. It may take two days or two weeks or whatever. But don't give up. That it's, it's still there. Just just trust me. I can see. Uh, you know, things are happening. You can't see. I prayed for that pickup truck for years. I only asked him for it once, but then I kept thanking him for it and thanking him for it until I finally got it. But I only asked one, one time and then believed that, you know, and then kept looking for it. And this heart, I, I, I prayed, gave the Lord the scripture. I said, I'm standing on your word that th- this is going to happen, and I'm believing it that it's done. And I'm not, I'm looking for it all the time. I went to the, the rehab today. And uh, she was looking at me. I was on a treadmill. She says, you know, your heart's got doing a bunch of little beats in between the strong beats. And I said, I feel fine. I feel great. And I did. I said, I, I can't help what's happening there, you know. But no fear, no nothing. I'm just, I'm just trusting God. I think rather than teach people, as Judy said, there are other variables. We teach, you know, in some ministry, they teach what God is sovereign. Yeah, it means he knew what he wanted to do. When God wanted to kill your kid. He wanted to kill yeah. your neighbor. So, he want, yeah. But that's the yeah, he um, for his divine purpose. Rather than teaching that other parables that we may not know about. Yeah, God needed another angel in heaven. But it said, "Oh, he saw him. He just do what he wants." So, and you never know. Yeah, so he just killed my kid. Okay. People tell me that, and I said, "We need to take God to court then, because he's guilty of murders and rapes and all kinds of things." If that's the case, right? That shuts him up, doesn't it? Oh, uh, they get, they get, they want to fight you then. Well, I mean, the people in right. the rebuttal is that it's said, well, you know, we don't know his thoughts, we don't know his ways. So yeah, we, we, do. we There's one scripture to stop yeah, that. I'm saying, but they take that yeah. scripture to take out of context. There's, there's one scripture to stop that. You see what you have to say? He doesn't want anyone to perish, does he? <laughs> you think a few people are going are perishing and going to hell? And, and everyone has to say yes. Yeah. So, well, then he's not sovereign in that area, is he? You know? Right. He's offering salvation, but it's being rejected, just like he can offer all kinds of stuff that people reject. And having that that understanding, then you know the the authority that that God has invested in men, in in man <clears throat> mankind, you know, to make decisions. When we understand that. Mm-hmm. Then it, it opens us up and it frees us up to, from that that bitterness that you know the the hyper sovereignty doctrine can create because just like you know the example you gave you know you can take somebody who has experienced the worst hurt they've ever felt in their life you know whether it be the loss of a child or loss of a spouse or like you know just some horrible um, abuse and trauma and they go to church. And they hear this message being preached that God is in control. He's done nothing. 
happens. Listen, out. It goes through his will. It, unless it goes through his check. Yes, his and he yes. has to he has to, yes. you know, sign off. sign off on that stuff. Now, once you hear that, right. you're making him an accomplice yes. to the very abuse and trauma that 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 is ripping your heart out. Right. We're actually making him the accuser of the brethren. And another thing it, it does is, <laughs> is, is when people die, get, are addicted, or all kinds of stuff, they're saying that it was God that did it when it was Satan that did it. So they're taking what Satan did and they're blaming it on God. You know, and, and that's that's wicked. I mean, right. Yeah. Attributing to God. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, Mike Hesh said today, too, when he was talking, he goes, when we say God, he goes, is a liar, because he says God cannot lie. He goes, if we say God can lie, like we're talking like in a line here, then that means he would have to be in cahoots with Satan, because Satan's the father. Mm -hmm. so, that was just so cool to me. You know? We don't work together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I talk about Solomon a lot, because I heard that all my life. Yeah, everybody yeah. has, I think. I hear that all my life with this song, that whole, this, I hear that song, I hear it in my head the whole time. You know, he saw me, he can do what he want. I mean, that's what's my, yeah. that so was drilled in me. Okay, you know, so if things didn't work out, you know, I'm just like, God does it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I never, they taught us, but he didn't do it. The thing is, he allowed he it. He allowed it to happen. Right, and so, so it's just like he took a back seat and said, I'm just not going to this right now so and then and i learned to accept that and says okay you know i don't want to do it so and then that makes you passive and right. some people actually like uh -huh. that they're drawn to that because they have no responsibility okay. however right. it turns out it was god's will so we don't have we're responsible for nothing well like i said i look back now so with that teaching now when i approach prayer <laughs> i kind of got my fingers crossed i don't know if i'm gonna get it or not but Let's just roll the dice <laughs> and see, you know. And if I got it, I was excited. If I'm not, then, you know. So there was, when I look back, it was no confidence, right. really. And, you know, you know, the word says, you you know, he wants this for me. But it really wasn't a lot of faith. It wasn't the faith there. It was just like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Right. So we knew a lady whose daughter was raped and beaten to death. And because some people got saved at the funeral, it was God doing it. The whole thing was God, according to her. And, and, and it was so, in fact, she, she said to me, nothing happens. She said, she said what you said, nothing happens unless it goes through God's sovereign will. And, and yeah, and then, and then she gave me a fake scripture. She said, Ecclesiastes 3.37. And then she quoted that, right? Mm -hmm. It was a lie, and I didn't. I didn't bring it up to her. I, just, I, I wanted to look at her and say, you, you, "You're using the sovereignty doctrine now. You're giving me a scripture that doesn't exist." You know, but I didn't. I just kept my mouth shut because mm -hmm. I have a tendency to want to rumble with people that do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've 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 identified several different <laughs> hindrances, right, from being able to ask and receive in confidence. Right. We talked about, you know, actually, obviously, the mis the misappropriation of God's character, not understanding His true character. Number one, All right? And we talked about the the un, the misunderstanding with the the whole sovereignty doctrine, you know, specifically, right? Um, and we talked a little bit about other people's will, 
and how that has to, you know, in a lot of cases for the things that we're praying about, especially if we're praying about other people's situation, their will, their will has to align with God's will as well. Right. So there, there are certain variables that, that are going on in their lives that can can hinder things. All right. But there's there's a, there's some other there's another hindrance to prayer, too. All right. So let's go to James four. And we're going to look at verses one through three. I'll read this. I'll read this in the New American Standard. And it says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. In the Amplified, in verse 3 it says, And if you ask, you won't receive it if you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. All right. Paul, did Paul write this? James. 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 Did, mm -hmm. did, he's getting to the nitty gritty. Man. You adulterers, adulteresses, don't you know friendship? I mean, he's calling names. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, since you started, I'm, I'm going to read that too. Yeah. Verse four says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Verse 5, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace graciously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now I'm looking at verse seven where Terry talks about, you know, the, pass the passivity that mm -hmm. can come when you, when you, you, you align yourself with the, the hyper sovereignty doctrine that says whatever will be, will be. God is in, is in, in total control of everything that happens. That's putting you in a place of passivity. Well, you really, if you believe that to, in the core of your being, you if that's a hard belief for you, when, when there's a time there where there needs to be some resistance on your part, you're not going to do it because of that. Why? Because of that belief. Because if that's your doctrine, when the pressure begins to assert, you know, it gets to a place, you, you're not resisting. You're a, dark, you, you're a dartboard. When you, you just get hit with everything. When you need to resist, you're not going to. Because whatever will be, will be. Right? God is in control. If he, if it's happening, he's allowing it to happen. But and then the same people will turn around and ask God, get the devil off my back. Get him off my... He can't do that. They told us to do it. 
It's one thing God cannot do, the things that he told us to do. Right. I used to go to a Bible college, and the guy that started the Bible college uh, had uh, some like MS or something. And uh, he said one time, uh, God put me in this wheelchair in order for me to make these tapes that go around the world and all these people will be saved. He said, but if he hadn't put me in this chair, this, these tapes never would have been, been done. And I remember thinking, dude, you are so far gone. But he, God actually, was good. <laughs> he, had, he was a great teacher, but God, he, God put him in a wheelchair. And I'm thinking, what, what about love is not there? You know, God is love. It's not love to stick you in a wheelchair. But I think you get, there's still a lot of that preaching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think it's very popular. Yeah. You know, to say, well, you know, God did this so I could do this. So, you know, and like you said, very gifted people in there, but, you know, well, God did this so you could do this. And he had one statement I really liked. He said he was a turtle on the fence post. And he says, one thing you have to know about a turtle on a fence post, he said, somebody put him there. I like that. <laughs> you know? In other words, when you get somewhere, God puts you there. But he didn't He didn't cripple you and throw you in a wheelchair so you'd make a tape. It's true. That's so important to know God's character and know his word. Because, like, you say, you know, you'd be, you'd be like Dartmoor, you're just accepting everything that, you know, oh, God says this. Okay. Well, this is God's will. Okay. I was even thinking of an example that I had in my life where I know if I had known better because I'm just, you know, part of the testimony or whatever, but I had, um, I had a, a minister and I, I probably mentioned this here before, he had said that God was going to mess with my world to see how dedicated I was to the call of intercession. And I go, like, I, I, I will note this, I already had no friends in my life at the time. I was like 16 or 17. I really didn't have friends then, and that's because I accepted it. I know that's what it was. It was like, you know, like I said, why is the enemy on my back? You know, because I was allowing him to out of ignorance, you know. And I, it came to me, and I, I'm thankful for God, you know, through the doctrines. I mean, he can only minister what we'll accept, you know, in those times of our lives. I mean, you know, if we're not open to it. But I remember screaming and crying on my, my bedroom floor, going like, God, why are these girls at church rejecting me? Why is this and that? And, and you know, I had learned enough to know you could be real with God. And I got so calm, like, I had to be God's voice going, like, you were rejected before that word came. You know, like, it wasn't me. In other words, like, God was trying to, in a roundabout, let me know, you know, roundabout way. And I go, mm -hmm. but it was so, it would have been so nice at that time. I'm thankful later, but, you know, no. Hey, God went something like that to be like, hey, brother so and so. Um, no, I do not accept that in Jesus' name. You can accept that. I hope you don't, because that's cruddy. But I, I, God is a good dad. He wants me to have friends, and he wants me to pray at the same time, you know, as I do. But yeah, it's important to know God's character, definitely. And if you do, you can't be hoodwinked by that. You could have a devil uh, manifest as an angel or as God, and say and say to you, <clears throat> yeah. I, I put that cancer on you so that you would learn something. And your response needs to be, you're a liar. You can't be God. That's against, that's against, that's against the word of God. You're, you're not who you're saying you are. Mm -hmm. You can laugh at it. I mean, you, yeah, you're, you have to have a, a, a quick response. Yeah, but the only reason, the only way you can do that is because it is by having spending time with his word. Yes, yes. Because you don't, yeah. if you don't know, if you don't know who, his character, you don't know you know who he is then you you're you're open you're open to hear these lies the deception right so going back to verse seven because i'm like it says so humble yourselves before god 
Mm -hmm. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. But the humility comes first. Yeah. So what is the humility? What does that really look like? It looks like me exalting the word yeah. above what I feel or see. Right. Above your will. Yep. Right. That that is biblical humility right there. When everything in me is like, yo, this don't look like <laughs> it this don't look like God's, you know, will Absolutely. at all. Nothing is it, I mean, everything is opposite, right? Yes. You know, I'm I, I feel some kind of way. I want to do what I want to do. I want to say what I want to say. But God's word says. God's word says. Mm -hmm. If I exalt that, right? That's when you're trusting. You're that that's when I'm. I am like okay. I know it, this. This the five senses. All of these things are are contradicting what you've promised and what you've told me to do. But I'm gonna exalt your word. Mm -hmm. I will. I will continue to trust in what you said, and I will do what you told me to do. Now that that's when I'm in a place of humility. Yes. And and. That's me resisting. And what does it say after we resist? He will flee. Yes. But again, I'm not even going to be in a place where I am exercising that resistance if I don't understand the, the authority that he's given to me to declare his word, to ask and receive, to seek and to find. If I don't understand my authority, my assignment to do that, then I'm going to be in a place where I'm not resisting anything. I'm just, like Gene said, a dartboard. Yes, yeah, so how do doctrine people are dartboards? Anything that comes along, they, they receive it as being from God. I don't, I don't care how evil it is. This couldn't have happened if God, if God didn't, uh, okay, this couldn't happen. And, and they just go down down the tubes. You know, it's true what you're saying, too. The more you exalt the truth, the more you begin to know in your spirit, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It is, and nothing can be. The more you exalt it, the more you praise it, and the more you lift the word up, you just begin to... You're, there's nothing even say. You come stand in front of your face and go... <laughs> you go... It would be... You just know. I like Andrew when he says... He says, some of you, he said... You know, dying's not such a bad thing. <laughs> but to speak to it, and I've just become a humility here. Now I know some people have used, and I've learned, I see no scripture reference for it when, say, if you're going against God's will, then, you know, they will say, okay, well, then say if you got to the top of the corporate ladder, Maybe that's not what he wanted you to do. Did you fail? Then they say, well, God humbled you. And they take that aspect and say, okay, because mm -hmm. he didn't want you up there in a way. Mm -hmm. So he humbled you. That's why you failed. Wrong bottom. Because you was going the wrong way. And so he had to humble you. So you really didn't fail. God did. In other words, you, you, you really didn't fail if God didn't get involved. 
God right. got involved when well, he did. Well, there are appropriate times. Pride comes before the fall. Right. When we don't humble ourselves before the Lord, we will be humbled. Okay. <laughs> but it depends on, uh, that may not be your situation, but if we do something in defiance of what God's told us to do. Now, is that him humbling you? or is that That's the circumstances, no, I think. No, it's the circumstance. The circumstance, right. Yeah. People make it. This was the name of sickness. He did, and I'm saying, well, that's not his character, but. Like you said, it's the circumstance that home you, not him. Yeah. Hmm. That's just like the illustration of you driving down a highway and God tells you to take I-64 and you take 264. The longer you stay on 264, the farther you're going to be away from where he wants you to be. He didn't tell you to drive 264. Right. He didn't tell you to do that. You did that. And you continue to do that. Can you blame him? For when you end up in Tuscaloosa somewhere? <laughs> no. Huh? No. But it was it was us, you know, leaning on our own strength and understanding to take us to a certain place. Right? So it's not that like God had to take his divine belt and whoop your behind. But see, we try to project some of our human natural right. parenting. And try to project that stuff on him, but we. But if you if you look at what Hebrew said, how does he chastise us with his word? Now, if you don't if you don't when we don't submit to that chastisement of his word, then what's going to happen? Then the consequences and the circumstances get us mm-hmm. right. But it's not like he's that. At least I'm I'm not reading that in the New Testament right. where he, he you know he's actively. Throwing stones, tripping you up. It's kind of like it's a written law of the universe that there's consequences to arrogance. It, it may take a long time to catch up, right? It's like Haman, Haman's noose, right? You do those things, it goes around, and come back to bite you. You know, it's like a reaping and sowing. Yeah, he is yeah. blamed for because we hear that phrase. Well, okay, God humbled. Have you testified? Well, God had to humble me because you know I was acting this way and doing this and doing this. And he had to humble me, you know. And that's a years before I was like, okay, I'll accept it. But I'm saying, okay, but that's not him. Like he said, that's just you going the wrong way, not doing, not being obedient what he told you to do. So therefore. Your circumstances called you. Yep. Well, what happens if you if we are in disobedience and then God is able to speak to us and show us that we exalted our own ways and didn't obey Him? Then there's a humbling that, but that that's where we have to humble ourselves. Right. Then he, he, he we get brought to that place by His grace that we will then say, mm-hmm. okay, now I have to humble myself. Because he says, humble yourself under the right hand of God. He will exalt say he you. Would do it. Right, and he will exalt you right. in due season. Right, I'm saying, we can we can be in disobedience and then we can come to the place mm-hmm. through his grace that we realize where we erred. And that's when we need to humble ourselves before him. Mm-hmm. And that's an act of our will. Exalt us again. I think I told you guys at the time he humbled me. I was backsliding. I was in another state. I was walking in the store to either buy tobacco or alcohol. I don't know which. And I went in. I put stuff on the counter. And the guy looked at me and said, I know you. I said, you what? He 
because I know you. I said, no, you don't. He said, I'm telling you, I know you. He said, you go, you're in this choir on TV, and you're the eighth guy from the left. And that was me. I walked out of there and looked at the sky, and I said, I can't even hide from you. I can't even run from you. You're everywhere. You know? In other but words, even to... I was humble, man. When we ask God for forgiveness, isn't that an act of humbling ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 When I was trying to run away from God, and I couldn't. <laughs> but, you know, I did, you know, it's okay. God, well, he doesn't. You humble yourself. Now, you... It's different between... Him, you know, being yes. humble, then, but you got humiliated because you did your own thing. Mm-hmm. God is not going to humiliate you, make you look bad. Yes, to, mm-hmm. no, humiliation, of course, we come from the enemy. He's like, I'm going to make you look like a fool. <laughs> okay, but we say, okay, well, God made me look like a fool, so I can get my, no, but the enemy, no. the enemy made you look like a fool. Yeah, it made no, you no, ignore no. the voice of God, go your own way. Now, you humiliate now, like you said, now I come back and humble myself before him. <laughs> then it says, Hey, he says, Thank 10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will he lift you up in honor. So when he humbles you, you get exalted. It's good, he's such a gentleman, he never ever tries to embarrass us. Mm-mm. So awesome, yeah. I, I have a question What do we do when, um, we have brothers and sisters that are misinterpreting or misappropriating God's sovereignty. Um, you know, I know a lot of, you know, I've been to a few different types of churches, you know, over the course of, you know, 10 years or whatever. And I know, man, brothers and sisters, I know they love me. They love God. If, you know, what you had mentioned, Jesus, about putting God's word first. If I were to ask them, do you put God's word first? They would say yes, you know, without a doubt. And they're sincere, very sincere in their beliefs. But they just have not, don't have the revelation that we have and that we're talking about. To take one of Andrew's anecdotes, you know, we ain't arrived, but we left. Mm-hmm. So, bottom line, they haven't even left yet. So, but I know they're sincere. I know they would never say, you know, no, I'm not going to quite put God's word first. No, they would put God's word first. They would say they love God, but they just don't get it. I mean, we can look at the body of Christ now. I mean, we got all these denominations. People stepped out what they felt like was God's word and God's moving, God telling them to, and they created the Baptist church, and they created the Catholic church, and they created the Methodist church, and they sincere as anything, I'm sure, when they stepped out and did that. So what is the prayer that we pray for somebody who really, really, with sincerity of heart, is trying or believe that they're going down the right path. I don't usually try unless the Holy Spirit is urging me to, because that's a way to make an enemy real quick. A lot of those folks are so steep, steeped in that doctrine that they won't back up. And what, what I'll normally do is I'll try to ask them that one question. It, is, is it God's will for people to go to hell? But the word says that they're perishing. So you can show them right there that sovereignty doesn't affect 
uh, that and hope that they'll do a little scripture search and go further. But you have to be very gentle with them or you make an enemy quick. Well, what's the prayer? What's the prayer? The prayer. Oh, just ask God to give them light. And, yeah. if you, and if you get a chance to give them a scripture and show them that there are, there are people that are perishing and it's not God's will for them to perish, you can give them the scripture and then let them decide. Let's go to Ephesians. Because for many people, that would mean leaving the church, right? Yeah. A revelation like yeah. that, you're very likely to... So you're, li you're liable to get in a real, a real uh, a big uh, confrontation, yeah. It's a big that. deal. Yeah, once you start hearing stuff, you know, you can't, for me, I couldn't stay. Right. Because then, you know, I was getting resistance. And then, you know, of course, you're not trying to fight with people. Exactly. And it's like, okay, you got to believe me. I'm just showing you scripture. But, yeah, it becomes like a... When I was younger, I had some people say, man, to me, they wouldn't talk to me for months. Because I wouldn't give it up. All right. I kept going after them. So, we're going to make a connection here between hey. Ephesians 3. 14 through 20 and first Timothy 2. And we we we've used these we've looked at these scriptures before, but just in the context of what you know Kevin is talking about, you know, I want us to, to look at this, okay, making this connection when we talk about practically, and this is for ourselves too, because at the end of the day, all of us don't have a complete revelation. None of us do. We all see through a glass darkly. And see, the thing about it is when we talk about denominations and things like this, you know, it there there is a certain revelation that 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 a man of God or men of God, women of God have received and they've gone out and stood on that thing. But the thing about it is what the enemy wants to do is to isolate and get and get folks to overemphasize one specific revelation to the detriment of others. Mm -hmm. And if you look at each denomination, there, there are certain things that, they are, that each one is strong on. Mm -hmm. And then they wouldn't receive any more revelation. There you go. There you go. Now, Ephesians 3, 14, he says, I'll uh, read this in the New Living because it's so, so plain. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand. I'm going to read that part again. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now see, verse 18. 
may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Whatever revelation or understanding or wisdom that we have in our understanding of God's word, it had, this, has to be the, this has to be the foundation anyway. And if this is the foundation, if I have a disagreement with you about a certain, you know, doctrinal area, then this revelation is going to keep me out of strife. Mm -hmm. And it's going to help keep, and if that's, this other person is, is rooted and grounded in the love of God, it's going to keep them out of strife too. And what that, what that allows to happen is for me to be in a position where I can glean from them what they're strong in, and they can glean from me where I'm strong. And that's what the enemy don't want to see, is that unity. Right? Now, staying in, now I know I said Timothy, let's go, but let's go to let's go backwards. Right? To another prayer in the same book, verse one in Ephesians. Verses 16, 17, 18, and 19. All right, so we can add this to the prayer. It says in the, New, in the New Living Translation, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So we're, we're praying for the love of God to be, the understanding of that to be expanded. We're, and we're praying for greater understanding of who God is, of what he has done through the death, burial, and resurrection, all of that stuff, right? Just practically, because this is what Paul did for the church of Ephesus. All right, now keeping all that in mind, also praying, praying that we stay in this position. All right, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. Looking at verses 23, 24, and 25, and 26. And, and remember, this is Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Okay. says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Now, he says, be kind to everyone. Be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. I mean, you know you need the Lord for that. Yeah, you do. Holy Spirit. <laughs> 25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. 
perhaps God will change their, those people's heart and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and, and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he, he wants. And some of us had, we had to receive teaching this way, right? Truth be told. I can do that with a sinner. I can be gentle and, you know, somebody don't know the Lord. But somebody that, that's known the Lord for 10 years and they're full of uh, lying doctrine. That That's something that I have a hard time walking away from. I want, I want to give them the scripture that corrects it and leave it alone. But that ticks me. That some preacher's been lying to them and they're betting their soul on it, you know? Mm -hmm. but, I used to get thick. I'm better now. Because you, you just think about it, though, you know, if, if you get to get the illustration of a student that just think about a student that's been sitting in a remedial class for 10 years. How much they going to learn? Nothing. Basics. That's what it is. Remedial class. Mm -hmm. So are you going to get mad at the, the student? Because if this is if this is what's being put put in front of them as teaching for years and years, unless they they want to they want to come and correct you, that's the problem. When they want to correct you, then you start saying, "Wait a minute, let's talk about this," mm -hmm. and it can get heated. Mm -hmm. I had to, I mean, recently I had to avoid getting heated, <laughs> right? You know, somebody sent me something, and you know, when I read it, and he I learned, once I learned from him, and everybody in the room, you know, okay. The ministry of reading, you gotta read, mm -hmm. you know. So I was like, let me go back and read it. And then when they called me, I was like, okay, well, I see what the whole point of what this person was saying was true. I said, but one of the examples they use, I said, well, it's not a good example because it doesn't say that. And then he, you know, they asked me, what well, did you read it in context? And did, <laughs> did you read the whole chapter? And I was like. <laughs> Okay, I did read it in contact, then read the whole chapter, but they hadn't read the chapter in right. contact. They're just trying to trip you up. Yeah, I'm saying, why mm -hmm. are you asking me? You ain't did it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. and I'm like, I, I had a gene moment, like, <laughs> don't carry me. Like, because they had to go back and read it. Like, well, I thought you read it. So I'm getting better now. I'm, I don't use my own opinions hardly, I'll give them a word. So you, you believe the word of God is true, and then what you've been taught? Yeah, here. That, what, are, what are you going to do with it? That came up Monday night at our house. Someone had sent me a, a song on YouTube they wanted me to show so we could sing it, and it was the Lord's Prayer. And I'm thinking, yeah, chapter four. This book right here. And so I was going, she had sent me four songs. I was going to skip over that one because it didn't sit right with my spirit. Mm -hmm. So when I put up music that I had saved you know, for our group, she saw, oh, that one, that one, that's the first one I want to sing. I'm thinking, oh. Lead us not into temptation. And so, yeah, so <laughs> we sang it, and then I just felt compelled to say, you know, that, that song kind of bothered me. It was okay that then he added, Lord, do these things in my heart. Okay, and she looked at me and she said, well, what's wrong with that? Jesus said that. I said, well, 
it's really a lot of Old Testament thing. He hadn't gone to the cross yet, and right. God doesn't lead us into temptation. Oh, and she wanted to argue, and I thought, okay, this is not the place, so I just kind of let it fade. Right. But that was one of those moments where you want to, and I'm looking at it, because you don't want other people in the room to also be led astray. Right. So at some point, I asked God to bring it up. I went to a worship leader one Probably. time. We were in a meeting, and I was a, a deacon or something. I went to a worship leader. And I said, look, you're really heavy on this song where David sings, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I said, Jesus ain't never going to take the Holy Spirit from you. It ain't going to happen. You, you know, you can walk away from him, but he ain't never going to take it. Why are we singing about it? He says, you got a point there, brother. When he went up to do worship, the first song he sang was that one. <laughs> Old habits die hard. I wanted to say, oh, man, because it felt good. The song feels good. Yeah. So the words don't matter if it feels good, you know? And it's, like it's a lot of songs we grew up with. Like yeah, that. yeah. It's just, and I remember after so, you know I began to get revelation and grace and stuff, and then you know begin to challenge some of the songs that we sing. And I remember you know I'm teaching a bunch of old school mothers and stuff. And well, what's wrong with that song? Yeah, yeah. That song, that song got me through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I knocked it with this. Not really. Yeah, you you get some yes. fight. You start yes. messing with them old school songs. Yeah. And they were shouting and screaming all over, and it's like, okay, but it's not correct. But no. yeah, they like we like to hold on. To That's when you just got to start singing Jesus on the hot line. <laughs> Tell them what you want. <laughs> Get everybody happy. Right. Right. So, you know, like when, when Paul talks about being gentle and even tempered, that's mm -hmm. so that's so important. <laughs> You know, and and just to speak to you know what what that Terry was talking about, I'll, I'm looking at that that last line in Luke four, and and in the Amplified, there's a there's a note there where it says, "And lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from evil." Now, if you click on the little footnote, it says, "Lead us away from situations where we are vulnerable and have the opportunity to sin." God does not tempt man. See James 1.13. Right. But and it's, and, and, it's, and it says, but does allow man to be tested in the sense that man has free will. Right. And he will be tested because the enemy will test you. Mm -hmm. Right. But see, and that, but that's where we have to get context mm -hmm. and look at the whole you know, the scripture. Yeah, I told her, so man, that's where you trust the Holy Spirit to. If, if you're headed into a bad situation, the Holy Spirit will lead you away from that. But that's that's not exactly the same thing. All right. So anyway. And that's where that, that old English trip, trips, us, trips us up. If we don't understand how, you know, things were written there, that old English would trip us up every time. Right. Yeah. Going back to our outline, I'm going to read some of the points. Says we have we have to make sure that we ask for for what is a part of Christ's atonement. Right? Mm -hmm. If we ask for something promised in God's word, then He has already given it to us mm -hmm. right? through the finished work. Right? But if something isn't a part of Christ's atonement, then God hasn't provided it for us. In His atonement, the Lord provided all kinds of good things: joy, peace. Restore relationships, healing, prosperity, and much, much more. Right. 
Just because we don't see what we ask for doesn't mean God hasn't provided. We can't perceive what our we can't perceive of our five senses what God does or doesn't do because he moves in the spiritual realm. Whether, whether or not we see it manifest in the physical realm depends much more on if we know how to receive than if God answered our prayers. So there's no problem with him. It's about our ability to receive and the type of interference there is from us receiving too. I got to add that part. Because again, because you can get yourself in condemnation on that. In your your faith not working, not being able to receive. But see, one thing we got to understand too, I'm going to use another football analogy. Okay. If you're, the quarterback is, is, is determined to get you the ball. The ball is your way. It's coming your way. You are the receiver. You are the designated receiver. Right? You run your route. You're running your race, like Paul says. You're running your route. Right? Now, it's God's will for you to receive the ball, to receive the pass. It's already in his, in his, in his plans. But guess what? There's an opposition that doesn't want you to see you receive. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to resist and interfere. They're going to try to interfere. Right? So they're going to try to intercept what is for you. And unlike in the NFL where if the 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 receiver is is getting tackled or, or, or pulled by the defensive back, the referee is there to call the flag. But in the spirit realm, with us, if we're getting interfered with, there ain't no referee on the sideline that's going to call the flag. You got to call your own penalties. You know where he says, resist the devil and he will flee. That's our job. So if there's a violation going on, if there's some, if we see some interference, like, okay, hold it. Healing, this is mine. Why am I feeling sick like that? Um, you know, or my pockets are low. Why am, why am I in this place? We got to call the penalty on that. That's our job. We can't count on the ref to do it. But that's a whole of a part of us receiving. It ain't about what God hasn't done. He has already done everything through the death, burial, and resurrection. It's about us getting through the coverage and getting to a place to receive. Going back to our outline, it says God's, God answers every prayer that, that's according to his, his word. If our prayers don't get answered, it's not God who missed it. God is always faithful. Knowing that God is faithful should bless us. In his faithfulness, the Lord has a perfect plan for each and every one of us. That includes health, prosperity, joy, blessing, peace, and happiness. 
It's just not that everybody, it's just that not everybody receives from him. Right. Now, I want to clue in on this statement because, you know, when people hear that word prosperity, it's a trigger. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, Lord, you wanted them people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because now, the reality is, what did Christ say about our time here on this earth? In this world, you will have tribulation. But be on, of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we're not preaching or teaching that if you're walking with the Lord, then you're not going to have no problems. Actually, it's the opposite. The, the, the more you are in line with his will, and, and that means that you're doing some damage to the enemy. So you, you, you're, you're poking the bear on his side. Mm -hmm. so, he, so the enemy has a vested interest to mess with you because you are messing up his plans. Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe that, just read Paul's life. Look at his testimony. Now, if he was if he was on the sideline eating Cheetos, you think he'd be going through all the stuff he was going through? No. No. Why? The enemy ain't got to mess with him. He ain't doing nothing. Paul's my man. He stood up to those Galatians and said, you fools, who's bewitched you? I'm thinking... Paul, you're going to get some of your own teaching about meekness and gentleness and all this other stuff. <laughs> he went in in that book. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so the thing about it is when we talk about believing God for prosperity and all our wholeness and just our physical well-being, we're not being selfish when we do that. Really, it's a place of humility. Because for me to say, okay, you know what? I'm trusting the Lord for my provision. So I'm going to I'm going to keep my ear out for what he desires for me to do as far as my vocation, as far as my investments mm -hmm. and my giving mm -hmm. and all this type of stuff. That's what that's what humility looks like for real. But if I am so dogged opposed to prosperity and health being a part of God's will, then the, at the end of the day, I'm putting myself in a position where. I'm going to be seeking that stuff myself. I'm going to be trying to take care of that stuff myself. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what people tell you. They may mm -hmm. preach that stuff from the pulpit, but when they get home, they got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. They got kids that need to take get, get, that need to get taken care of. So they, they are doing those things that are necessary to take care of their family and their household. And when you're in that position where you are so opposed to... The idea that God wants to prosper you, then the natural consequence to that is to take the care of that provision on yourself. And prosperity is different things to different people. I watch a lot of these shows where people live in a cabin up in the woods in Alaska. And uh, they don't. one guy said, if anybody mugged me, he might find a washer or a nail in my pocket. He said, we don't have you. We don't have any use for money. And he said, as long as he said, well, I've got food in the house and I've got a warm fire and a dry place to sleep. And he said, I feel rich. And I thought, he's prosperous. That that guy's prosperous, mm -hmm. no matter what you say. Yeah. And when I asked the Lord about it, about prosperity, what is prosperity? He said, it's when you have enough to do all I called you to do and some to give away to help my work. He said, you're prosperous. Yeah. So I've been prosperous for a long time. And, and and you tell people that they get angry at you sometimes. That's good.
Yeah, because sometimes people can make you think that everybody's supposed to be an entrepreneur. Like, when everybody's not called to that, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, sure. that's the mindset they got, you know. It's like, no, everybody's not called to that. Mm-mm. You know, so if you're called to that, then that's fine. But you're not called to that. That doesn't make you less nope. than yeah. everybody yep. else. It's all about what you call called to. Right. And that, you know, that, that whole submitting to an, a materialistic a Western idea of what success is, right? You know, and like you, you had mentioned, you know, that's a big thing in the whole social media world. Everybody got to own a business. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. All right. But the bottom everybody is not built for that. Yeah, true. No. Right? Somebody got to drive the bus. Somebody got to be, to take this garbage out. Somebody got to fix pipes. Somebody got to fix, you know, your leg when you go to the doctor. Somebody fix pipes. Uh, Try getting a hold of a plumber. They make more than doctors, I think. If somebody got to fix those wires in your house, yeah. they still blow up, right? Somebody got to put the cable in, right? Well, you know, the Wi-Fi, all that stuff. All that stuff, and somebody, you know, they, they, if you break your iPhone or your, your, you know, your, your mm-hmm. other phone, your, your tablet or whatnot, somebody got to fix that, right? You think God can't prosper you in Walmart or, or Costco or Sam's Club? You got to you got to develop your own YouTube channel and, and start to sell you know toothpaste and all or whatever you're selling or or, or do a, a, a e course on how to how to how to brush your teeth or something. It's not every, you know, but prosperity is, is relative to the individual and to the calling. Because God can do something with your, with that four hundred one k that you got in your at your you know at your job at Walmart or food line. I used to work with a guy. He worked for Ford, and uh, he he was in, in he invested his money in everything, and he owned four or five different businesses. And I didn't know it. He drove an old pickup truck and wore a baseball cap, and uh, he was just a, a good old guy. And one time he called all his employees in for a Christmas party. I didn't, I didn't, I thought there was only the six of us. He owned the garage. I thought there was the six of us that worked there were all his employees. I got there, there were 500 employees, and everybody got the minimum of a couple hundred dollar Christmas bonus. So this guy was like a mega millionaire, still drove an old pickup truck, still worked for Ford, but he God had showed him what to do with his money so that it, it multiplied. But he was good with it. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't cheap. So at the end of the day, you know, when we, we looking at, you know, what prosperity is, what success is, and what answered prayer looks like, what b- the blessing looks like, you got to be careful not to attach this commercial Western idea of what that is. We don't put limits on him. But we don't ascribe to this whole false narrative of what success is either. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you could take a believer that's that's content in just in with with what if with where they are yep. in their vocation and, and what they're doing. And if they get a hold of this 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 whole success 
idea, then it can get get them to put them put themselves in a place of condemnation where they feel like, okay, am I really prospering because I'm not a YouTube influencer with a million followers? Or I'm not, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm not on the Forbes 500. The minute you compare yourself to other people, you're in trouble. You just got to ask the Lord what you should be doing and get content with that. And you'll, you'll go right where you're supposed to go. That's true. It comes back to the relationship. I thought examples of different ministers, like I thought about like Andrew Womack, you know, like he, they said he lived very humbly, you know, compared to some ministers and stuff. His home is not like extravagant. It's, nice, you know, and it's for him and Jamie, but and then you take, you know, minister like Jesse Plantis, and he's went really, you know, he went really big years ago and had him like a plantation, and I thought, you know, I don't think either's wrong. I think they did what God put in their hearts to do, you know, and, you know, it come down to each one of us going, hey, God, what does it look like for me? What does success look like for me and my family, you know, and God knows exactly what each of us need. Well, to me, it's, it's not wrong with, I mean, what you want. I mean, yeah. if you want to say you can afford it, get one. I mean, and then, but then there's some people who can afford it. They don't want one. And it's yeah. always like, okay, so whatever you want. So it's all about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want a big house, get one if you can afford it. If you can clean it. <laughs> yeah. True that. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's all about what you want. Yeah. Yeah. But as long yeah. as you keep it in perspective. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's this certain thing I'm like, I'm not interested in. Okay. You know, getting, you know, there's certain things people are like, ma'am, you want that? That's fine. It's like, go back to what we're talking about your children asking you for something. Mm-hmm. Each child is different. God's put desires and likes and dislikes in each one of them. So mm-hmm. one child may ask you for something that's mm-hmm. not a big deal, but he really wants that. What are you going to look at him and say, no? That's not prosperous enough. That's not, you better right. set your sights high. So like you said, I'm happy with our Honda. I don't I don't need, we probably could have afforded a more luxurious, I didn't want one. Yeah. I'm happy right. with that. But I don't condemn you. Right. If you love a Lamborghini, God bless you. If you can get a Lamborghini, I'll believe with you. Mm-hmm. If you can pay the yeah. And that's how, that's how, if we just stay out of strife and envy, because right. we're each one different and we each have different wants and desires. And if you want something that's a little, I'll believe with you for it. Why would I be envious? If I wanted one, I could believe for one too, but I just don't want one. I don't need a big house. I mean, these people that want these giant bathrooms, their bathrooms are bigger than our whole house. And I'm thinking, you got to clean that thing, people. Yeah. 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 Trust and the And the room you, I like to clean the least is the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So we did. So we know. Lord. Yeah. You got to hire somebody usually to, to cover you that stuff. Yeah. The more you got to clean. Or you be cleaning your house all week. Like, yeah. Every day. Yeah. Every day, one room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We start over again on Monday. You go to Northern Virginia where these houses all have an average of five acres, and all you see is people out on riding mowers all the time. Yeah, I'm thinking that too. your life is spent on a riding mower, you know. A lot of acres. You know, of course, you know. <laughs> The uh, rolls didn't change. You, you cut the grass. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he had it. I hate it. It took me. It took me three hours to cut that long. I bet you. 
Like about an hour and a half in the front, hour and a half in the back. <coughs> and on a hot day, ooh. Ooh, ooh. And I'm like, man, you know, these are the ride, but it took you, I had to fill up like three, four times. But, you know, a lot of land. So when somebody says, what does he need with that? Well, maybe he wants it. Maybe he does have need of that. <clears throat> right? I have no need of an airplane. But Jesse does. You yeah, know? I'd like to have a little Kevin little one just to, just to fly around locally. So why would I begrudge something, a tool that he needs to do what God's called him to do? People just get all out of shape. Let's share something. What if God, you know, what if, what if it isn't God? Then God will deal with them. Yeah, Whatever. Because exactly. right. like at the end of the day, he didn't play, place you to be a, 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 you know, the right. Holy Ghost police on That's him. That's right. Yeah. That's, not, that's not your job. That's right. And if you don't like it, just don't give him money. Right. And, that, and that, that, at the end of the day, that's how you, if you want to protest and you don't believe in it, just don't support it. That's all you have to do. And it's the same thing with in the secular world, with businesses and things like this. If you want to talk to them, talk to the economics. Talk to the pockets. You know? If you ask the Lord what he wants you to pray for, you always get it. Always. So what, what do you want me to pray for? Put it on my heart. What, and he let me have a boat. I never had a new one, but I had a boat and, and a couple of nice cars, and you know, God's just good. And that's an area where I think people hurt their own prosperity, criticizing brothers and sisters for the desires, the desires of their hearts, and the things that they're believing God for. And I'm not saying sometimes it's not a miss, but that's up to God to deal with them, not right. us. Right? Exactly. So we should be either just silent about what we think, not. Pass it along, not talking about it, or actually getting in agreement with them and bless them. Because yeah, the way I work it, somebody condemned a proper creature by having a plane. Like, he don't need no plane. Then I look at the guy and said, Costco CEO got one. Yeah. Playboy used to have one. He flat all around. All those guys, all, all those big businesses. Yeah. Okay, so so if, if he said Playboy had one, oh, oh my goodness. So I'm like, okay. So the guy that's that, that's 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 promoting softcore porn, it's right. okay for him to have a plane. But right. the man that's preaching the gospel right. and, and, and across the world, right. yeah, he needs a plane to travel, so he don't have good. to so he don't have to fly Delta commercial. Right. It's a problem with him. Exactly. Where's the hypocrisy in that? Yep. Fly, flying commercial now. That's like that's like that's like being on the bus. Well, they jam you in there. They jam you in there, and it's just so you can't get where you need to go. It's like being on a bus. I'm telling you. I tell you what. See, see if I want phone folk to get lively, stop talking about this prosperity. Folk on there, they will be. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And the, and the religious skeptic, he he looked in here, but he said, "No, I ain't going in there with them tonight." <laughs> <laughs> they talking that prosperity stuff. And neither shall he prosper. There you go. If you don't like the prosperity stuff, don't worry about it. You won't have to deal with it. If you want to work yeah, just suffer for Jesus. Yeah, there you go. All right. And then you'll be calling us because you can't pay your bills. But to me, the guys that are yeah. teaching, if they're teaching prosperity and they're being led by the Lord, the Lord should make them prosperous so they're an example to the people they're teaching. Exactly. But I like what Andrew, if you add this a little bit, I like what Andrew did. There's so many, there is some ministries that go after Give, give, give. Yes. If you don't give, you're gone. Yeah, you're not saying everything's done. Quickly. And he says, you know, the biggest thing, if you're not giving from your heart, it's not doing you any good. Right. Mm -hmm. It's doing the ministry good, but it's not you. Right. It should be teaching, give from your heart. 
if God tells you to give five mm-hmm. bucks here, mm-hmm. give it here. He's going to bless it. Mm-hmm. He's, that's his biggest thing. He goes, listen to what God says. Well, there's some no people pressure. that they made, their whole ministry is... Is, is, is raising money and I, I have a hard time with those folks right and see and and, and that and that's the problem right so let me let me just tie all this up right because that's the issue where you have you know individuals that are fleecing yes they are yes and, and they and they make and they're making it making it bad for 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 men of God who are really who are really trying to do the work of the kingdom mm-hmm. and think bigger than mm-hmm. than than what the culture will allow them to right and then but you know the scripture already declares 30 60 and 100 fold but with the 100 fold return there's what persecution with that mm-hmm. right so at the end of the day let's I'm there to wrap it up proverbs 3 5 through 8 mm-hmm. and i'm gonna read this in the new living translation i like the way it reads Paying paying specific attention to verse 7. 7 and 8. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 in the New Living Translation. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength. Amen. For your bones. Thank you, Jesus. Read 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. He said, he said, How good can you wine. be against those two scriptures? I can't. Good wine. I got to say, yay, God. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you. Bye. Good night. Good night.